0: Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of the International Mission, Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The book of Judges begins with a generation that arises that, quote, knew not God nor any of the mighty deeds that he had done, end quote. The fact is that generations tend to slide in the Christian faith. But that drift, that slide, can be halted if one generation to the next reveals that they have walked in God's presence and expressed God's power. For the first, we experience the presence of God in our brokenness and humility, and we manifest God's power in our readiness to do great things for Him. So, what will you leave for the generation that follows you? Would you come before God and you cast yourself down before him and say, God, strip me of self. Take everything from me. Here's a prayer to pray. It's a dangerous one. Because you don't know how deep the tentacles of self-interest have gone in your life. But you say, God, strip me. Deny me of everything but yourself and your presence. I want you. Not my satisfaction. Not my benefit. It's a revival of love for the Lord your God where you begin to love him again with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And you love others as yourself. Actually, you love others and esteem them as better than yourself. That's the first thing, knowing God. Here's the second thing you've got to pass on to the next generation. It's a clear witness of God's work in your lives. A clear witness of God's work in your lives. And let me just say this. For God to work in your life, you must go to work In His work. For God to work in your life, we must go into His work. If you want to leave a witness of the mighty works of God to the next generation, you're going to have to venture into God's work for you. The work of witnessing to the lost. The work of caring for the needy. The work of resisting temptation and sin. The work of praying for the advance of the gospel. The work of interceding for your family and your children and those around you and for those in the body of Christ the work of giving up your substance to further the ministry of grace and mercy to others, the work of assembling together to encourage one another on into holiness. This is the work of the Spirit of God pressing humble hearts who have abandoned self and experienced the first love or the deep love of the gospel, God pouring in His healing and His presence in His life. And when God gloriously abides in you, He presses you into the work. That's what happened to that first generation. They became slaves and servants of the gospel, and they didn't deny God anything that they thought God was asking of them, even things that seemed to be rather extreme. Now, listen the first generation Christian often understood that high calling of that work and were ready to make significant sacrifices to answer that call. They left their home and they left comforts and they endured contradictions to be faithful. They denied themselves pleasures to gratefully pursue the higher calling of selfless service and sacrifice. They prized the body of Christ more than their own self interest. They prized God's family more than their own families. And unless you're going to be a part of a generation that's fading out in its faithfulness to God, you have to ask yourself this question What sacrifices am I ready to make to serve my King and answer His call in my life? What sacrifices am I making? What great work am I pursuing and prioritizing about everything else in my life? If you can't answer that question significantly, if you can't show the answer, I suggest that you go to God and you prayerfully ask God to give you something to do for Him significant. Praying, witnessing, standing for Him, standing in the breach, being faithful, calling others. What witness, the question is here, what witness will you give to the next generation of the mighty works of God pursued in your life and provided for by God's power? What will it be? Look at your life and think about it. When we step out in sacrificial faith to serve God and his calling in our lives, he comes through with wonderful testimonies of his power to lead and direct and to answer and to guide He will not abandon us in the midst of our answering faithfully to his calling in our lives. He he said, Go into all the world, and then as we go, he says, Lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Go, and he goes with you in power to reveal his mighty work. That's how it works. Do you have stories to tell your children? Do you have a life to live before others? of giving yourself to the great callings of God in your life, to be a witness for Him, to be a witness for His kingdom, of great and significant sacrifices you make to answer that calling above everything else, knowing that your comfort is not what's important, but the cause of Christ is what counts above everything else. And with it, do you have something to show your children and those around you of how God mightily showed up in the midst of that to exert His power and answer and provide? It's one of the wonderful things about having grown up in the life of a church planter. You know, church planters don't make a lot of income, but stories how wonderfully God provided and gave answers to prayer, and to know other pastors like that who tell their stories of how as they served the Lord and they answered God's call, God miraculously provided for them families that would gather together and say, Lord, listen, you know, all we really think we need to get by is, we just need, Lord, a refrigerator, and we, we have no money to buy it, but Lord, if you would just provide a refrigerator, and then the next day, they pray for it over the dinner time, and, and the next day, the call comes in from somebody, they don't even know, hey, listen, I'm moving out of town, and I got a refrigerator, and I don't have any use for it, and I don't know, it's, it's practically new, would you like it? I just want to give it to you, because I, I'm just going to be leaving it anyhow, and Another story told of, Lord, we're not sure whether we need our car or not, but we think we need another car. But, Lord, if we need another car and we don't have the means, Lord, would you just provide it for us? And someone calls up within a week, you pray for that, and well, the story is told of, well, look, I got this car and I don't have any use for it and thought maybe you might have some use for it and... And it goes on from there, story after story after story of how God wonderfully provides when you exhaust your resources, throwing them out to serve God, and you go beyond your limits trusting Him, and you make investments, risks, to answer His call in your life because you believe God is real and God is powerful. You really believe it. You're not like the guy who says, Lord, I knew that you were exacting, you were powerful, and so I took all these things and I, I hid it away. That guy didn't really believe any of those things. I believe you're powerful and you're exacting and you're present and you're working and I risk my life to serve you and God shows up. God provides tremendous things. What are those around you seeing of your labor for the sake of the kingdom? What is the story your life is telling of the mighty work of God empowering his servants to serve him and his good pleasure and his command? How are you going into the labor fields and to what extent? How are you giving and with what sacrifice? What are you denying yourself to further the kingdom? This is where our God shows up and shows himself mighty. He shows up when we give our lives to serve him and his kingdom and not ourselves. just came out of a season of great vacations. I'm glad for the vacation I had. By the way, when I write to some of these pastors I work with overseas and I tell them that I'm going to be going on vacation, they won't be able to reach me for a couple weeks, most of them write back and say, Boy, I haven't taken a vacation ever in my entire life. What's a vacation, right? It's kind of a North American phenomenon. And I don't apologize for it, but, you know, you go on vacation and you maybe rent a a nice little place to stay. You find something, you save a little money and you stay and you get the modest home and the nice place on the coast, on the beach, and it's a modest home and the homes around it are a little nicer. You go for walks every day and you're walking by all those nice homes as they're looking out over the ocean. You think to yourself, "Boy, wouldn't it be nice to live in that nice home? Right? You go to some nice places and you see some nice lake homes. And before long, you, you start looking on the Internet to see what kinds of lake homes are for sale and what they cost and what am I? What? wouldn't that be a nice little dream? And you're going on. And then you have your scripture reading in 2 Kings. You read the story of Naaman, the Syrian general being sent down to Elisha because he'd become a leper. And Elisha comes and meets him and Elisha brings to him healing. And Naaman wanted some fanfare and Elisha doesn't give him any fanfare. And Elisha just says, Go go to the Jordan River and dip seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman's mad. And he doesn't want to do it, but he ultimately decides he's going to do it. And he goes down and he's wonderfully healed. He comes back to Elisha and he basically opens up all the, he's going to provide the other side. I'll give you the fanfare on the other side of all these great things. I'll give you riches and I'll give you wealth. And I'm sure with that, he could have bought plenty of beach houses. He get everything he needed. He'd been set up. Wow, wow, God answers and gives us prosperity when we serve him. That's probably what, that's the real message, if that's what God plans, right? That wasn't Elisha's theology, but it was Elisha's servant's theology, Gehazi. Because Elisha passed it up. And Gehazi thought, you know what, there's got to be something in this for us if we're going to serve God like this. It's the real story of God's provision is how he gives us more than we leave. Plenty, blessing, prosperity. And so he chases after Naaman's chariots when he leaves. He goes and he says, hey listen, two young prophets have just come out of the mountains of Ephraim and and you know what they need? They need a talent of silver each and they need a change of clothing for themselves. And Naaman's glad to give it to him. And he actually gives him it must have been a lot because he had two men who took it and held in their arms and carried it all the way back with Gehazi. And Gehazi takes it back to where Gehazi is staying and has them stored away and then he dismisses them to go back to Naaman and chase off with him, and then Gehazi comes into the house where Elisha is waiting. 2 Kings 5, verses 25 and 26. Now when he went in and stood before his master, Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money, And to be receiving clothes, olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? is? Is it time to be receiving vacation homes? Is it time to be storing up all the provisions? And the answer is no, Lord. No. It's time to sacrifice all that I have to serve you and give you glory and follow you and be about your work. So you can demonstrate your powerful work, your mighty work, through our lives to those who follow after us. By the way, if you remember our reading, it's from Psalm 78. There's another way in which you can testify of God's mighty work. The nation of Israel is a witness of this. When they served God and they gave themselves, when they met God and they were broken before God and God filled them with His presence, and then out of that they went out to serve God and honor Him and glorify Him, God did mighty things to them. When they denied God and they resisted God and they fell away from God and they were unfaithful to God, God gave mighty works too. But the mighty works were mighty works of judgment. He judged them and He came upon them in judgment. And that's what Psalm 78 says. Psalm 78 is, hey, teach your children the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God given to those who will yield to Him and surrender to Him and be humble before Him and how God glorifies Himself in their obedience and the mighty works of God when they only say what God wants to hear but they don't do it and they're unfaithful and they don't follow through and they don't live for Him and God judges them and makes their lives miserable. Tell your children of the mighty works of God. What it means is God is going to do mighty works one way or another. What it means is your life is going to be a testimony to the preceding generation one way or another. So which testimony will it be? Which will it be? God, I want to know you. I want to be truly and really broken before you. I want to be a reservoir of your present life living and abiding in me above everything else so self is denied completely God I want to be after your glorious work above all things so that those mighty works might follow the question stands open what will you do with Jesus silent you cannot be someday you will be asking what will he do with me a generation is watching us now I suggest you find your Here Am I, Send Me moment as soon as possible. If we can be of help to you, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you can learn about our ministry around the world, find links to these messages, find opportunities to further the ministry we've offered to you. Until the next time, may God bless you.